As a reminder, my name is Alejandra, but I go by Ale, and it's great to see you back. Today, we are going to have a great conversation, and to start off, I'd like to welcome both of you here to our space and to allow you all to introduce yourselves to our audience. Thank you so much, Alejandra, for having us. My name is Noemi Armendariz. I'm a program coordinator for Texas Tech Psychiatry in the Division of Child Psychiatry. Thank you. And I'm Sarah Martin, and I am a child psychiatrist, child and adolescent psychiatrist at Texas Tech. I'm the chief of the division of child psychiatry there. And we do a lot of programs where we work with uh, other medical schools around the state to provide coverage for the whole state in certain areas of child and adolescent psychiatry. Well, thank you all so, so much. It sounds like you all have a very extensive and admirable professional experience. So again, thank you all so much for being here. And I think what I would like to, how I would like to start off this conversation is to know how are you, both of your efforts, I understand you all are working with the same institution, organization, how do they kind of mesh with each other? So I do a lot of the support work for Dr. Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work with um, other program coordinators and we all have different roles mm-hmm. um, to kind of support this um, one of the projects is CPAN, so the Child Psychiatry Access Network. That's really where I coordinate. Um, me and two other coordinators. We we help Dr. Martin, you know, get everything um, planned and done. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, they're really great at getting a lot of stuff done. We we started our projects uh, in 2019. Uh, the Texas Legislature. I gave an enormous amount of money to um, create uh, an organization called the Texas Child Mental Health Care Consortium, of which we are a part. And it's basically the divisions of psychiatry all over the state are joined together to work on five different projects. The one that uh, Naomi works on is CPAN, Child Psychiatry Access Network. And it is a support for uh, primary care providers all over the state. They can call on any business day, call us up, mm-hmm. and get help with finding resources for their patients. Um, they can talk to me as a child psychiatrist or one of my colleagues about medication, diagnosis. And then when uh, Noe Ming and her colleagues uh, get a resource for a particular patient, they make sure that, let's say they're, she's referring them for psychotherapy. So we make sure that the therapists that we give the names to the families that they will take the insurance of the family, that they will feel comfortable treating that age of child, uh, that they feel comfortable treating that diagnosis. Uh, because a lot of time, only supposedly only 30% of people ever follow through with their mental health referral from their pediatrician or family medicine clinic all the way through actually showing up to see a mental health professional. Uh, so that means there's 70% of those uh, kids are not falling through. So we're trying to increase that rate by giving out really good referrals. Because what happens is most people, they look on the website of their insurance company and they'll be like 100 therapists. And they start calling and one doesn't, really, doesn't take that insurance anymore. Uh, the next 10 they call only do inpatient uh, the next, you know, 25 they call. No one goes to 25. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. So we give two or three only, but we make sure that those two or three referrals are um, therapists or doctors, 
whatever the case may be, that actually can then help that patient and and they don't have too long of a waiting list. Although there's always a little bit of a waiting list. So if anyone's ever in acute distress, we just encourage them to go to the nearest emergency room, call 911. Uh, there's a lot of emergency services here in El Paso compared to a lot of even much bigger cities. So, I mean, it sounds like together you all are trying to provide support and increase access to these services. Yes. Um, which is primarily um, what these individuals need, right, is the ability to be able to feel supported throughout this process of getting help. Because one thing is understanding that you need the help. Another whole different process is knowing how to get the help and then obtaining it. And I think that is, as you mentioned, Dr. Martin, is that process of where maybe people can start falling falling through and falling through the cracks. And and I think that leads me to wonder, based on you all's experience, what are those issues that you all can primarily see within the El Paso community that has been more prevalent that can be, you know, that can be assessed based on the efforts that you provide? Yeah, so the most common psychiatric problem in, in most communities in the United States is anxiety. Uh, there's lots of several different anxiety disorders, um, but El Paso is no different in that way. We do have anxiety as the number one diagnosis. Uh, a close second is depression. And so a lot of our efforts are really focused on those two disorders. Uh, also, ADHD is fairly prevalent. Uh, that one is, you know, a little bit different in that we mostly do rec- recommend medication uh, for that disorder if it is preventing them from doing their best in school, if it's, uh, you know, worst case scenario, getting them in trouble. Uh, you know, a lot of the kids that we see, we also provide clinical care, of course, in our division. And one of the projects we have is uh, we have a contract with uh, the Juvenile Justice Center. And so we don't ever want any of our El Paso kids to have to get all the way there. But of course, sometimes they do. Um, and so we, we do our best. And those kids almost always have ADHD. Uh, but the most common diagnosis is uh, anxiety. And, you know, when we experienced COVID, do you see a difference in, in the need or maybe um, the type of anxiety that people experience? Has there been a shift in all, on any of those things? I think I think there's been a little bit of a shift in terms of why people are anxious. Um, you know, before that, the last epidemic that really affected everyone's day-to-day life on, a, on such a broad scale was, you know, 100 years ago, with the, there was the Spanish flu. Not that it was the Spanish flu, but everyone called it Spanish flu <laughs> epidemic in, uh, what, 1918, but, uh, 17, 18, 19, around that time. And... Uh, but since then, nobody had experienced that. So I think a lot of people have shifted, of course, towards worrying about their physical health, that they're going to get sick and die, worrying about their family members. And so we've always, we always saw that uh, somewhat. Um, OCD patients, the obsessive compulsive disorder, that's the most common fear in that disorder is germs. But um, we never had, like, the whole population worried about it. Now, I'll tell you one thing, I won't say one thing good that came out of the pandemic, but in a way it's good. Um, People have been so much more interested in their mental health with this, all the upheaval uh, from the pandemic. So 
the waiting lists are a little bit longer now, I think, yes. but it's because more people are seeking care. Uh, people are realizing that your mental health is very important. Um, you know, I won't say it's more important than physical health, but, you know, they're really both the same thing because yeah. it's your health. And so people are really, the stigma is going way down. Uh, people are much more interested in seeking help. You know, before mental illness was a very secretive type yes. of illness. Mm -hmm. And so that is just really not true very much anymore. It's really not um especially the younger generation, like they are growing up knowing that you need <laughs> oh, to take yeah. care of your yes. mind and you're, you have to have your mind at peace in order to feel good. And, and they're not embarrassed to say, Mom, I need to go to the therapist. Or, Mom, I think I need a psychiatrist. So I think that's one thing that oh, great yeah. that has come out of it. People have gotten much more comfortable about admitting these kinds of things, which is also, in, like Dr. Martin said, reducing the stigma. So that's really nice to see, especially like with... Um, um, like my age group, yeah. we're a lot more accepting, mm -hmm. you know, we promote mental health through like uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, maybe Facebook, I don't know, um, <laughs> things like that. It's, yeah. it's really nice to see. And I think, you know, even people that are maybe a little older, they're starting to see that it's okay to, you know, feel the way that you feel. Yeah, so you all yeah. make really good points about, you know, that shift and I think it's hard. I understand, Dr. Martin, you're, you're struggling to say, like, something that good that came out of COVID because it was just so unfortunate and it it affected everyone's life. But I guess it's, it is a silver lining, right? I mean, right. In, yeah, silver lining. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. I mean, in every situation, I think it's important for us to be able to see the things that are good, that, that kind of highlight, you know, that need that before mm -hmm. may have been not as, as as highlighted because we were afraid. We were afraid of being judged. We were afraid of being told that we were crazy because people, you know, thought that if you went to a therapist or a psychiatrist, there was something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with, for example, a person going to the gym, but a person going to the therapist, um, that meant something different. Right. And so I think it's you, you touched on a really good point in terms of finding that balance of one is not greater than the other, but they kind of coexist. And they do, not kind of, they do coexist. And so you need to have them at par to be able to address all the things that make us, make us live. Right. And I, and I want to touch on, on the fact that when, when you address um, the work that you do, you also work with outside organizations, right? Yeah, so I work closely with... Um so the coordinators and I, we work with other organizations in town, local LMHAs or the local mental health, um, mental health authorities. Mm -hmm. And because we're looking for these resources, we want to make sure that we're providing appropriate resources that are tailored to each kid that we, you know, we encounter mm -hmm. or we see mm -hmm. um, through the PCP. Um, Teachat is, is uh, similar in a way. Um, of course, they work with the, the school districts, but um, with CPAN, we really try to connect families with reliable resources. Mm -hmm. So a big effort um, for us is you know, doing this outreach to make sure that our resources are up to date so that it makes it easier for us and then also for the families. Mm -hmm. And that way the families can feel like they're getting you know credible resources and not just you know a Google search. Yeah, and... 
In talking about the rise of a need to seek a mental health um, support, what would you say are the things that you experience when working with these outside resources? Is it are you seeing that demand increase and you know them having to deal with that with the consequences of that? Yeah, definitely. There's, I think the well to start. The need for mental health resources is already in a pretty big demand. Mm-hmm. Um, there's waiting lists everywhere. We try to get, you know, the shortest waiting list. But there are certain specialties um, and certain therapists that only do X amount of different therapies. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's been one of our challenges um, is getting, you know, people access to these resources. I answer that question. Yeah, no, you did. (laughs) You did. And I guess I was just wondering, you know, because I think it's important to see the aspect of the need of the community, but Mm -hmm. also the struggle of meeting the needs of the community. Yeah. And and how how is it that we can can balance those things out so that we can provide that information, that support, that insight for those waiting for that support to say it's coming. Mm Let us just work through the system. And I'm, I'm wondering from both of you, why do you, is, is it the need, has the need increased, um, one, or, and is it that there's also a shortage of mental health uh, providers that are coming into those fields to meet yeah. the demand? Uh, so it's that, and then also stigma going down so much, especially during the pandemic, it really just nosedived. There's so much less stigma than there was before. There's still stigma, of course, but um, but that combined with an increased amount of especially anxiety symptoms that, that people are experiencing as a result of uh, this worldwide pandemic, uh, combined with an already identified shortage has been, uh, it's been hard, but that's it kind of our programs kind of came at a good time because a lot of them are not based on one-on-one care they're based on models that are more efficient such as for the child psychiatry access network i don't talk to each individual patient because then my case would be full right away i talk to primary care providers and then each of them talks to their their um panel of patients whenever they present with symptoms. And so then instead of helping, you know, let's say 50 patients a week, now I could help, you know, 200 um, through this model. And then one of the things that Noemi helps me with is the education of the primary care providers as well. So they don't have to call me every time they want to start an antidepressant if I help them that with that a few times, then they feel more comfortable, and then um, they start going to our medical education sessions online, and then they get confident to to treat their own patients on a wide variety. So it's been great uh, seeing them become more interested in mental health, more comfortable with mental health, and because I know those kids are getting treatment so much sooner. You know, usually by the time a kid comes to see a child psychiatrist, it's been years that they've had symptoms. By the time they go to see their uh, primary care provider, it might have only been weeks. And it's a lot easier yes. to treat. But yeah, the, the workforce shortage is 
There you go. I don't like to think about it too much because <laughs> it's pretty extreme. Uh, so any of those you want to go know. into mental health, there's, sorry, we always have a job. But you know, it's about that silver lining, right? And, and the opportunity to see what else can be done in order to solidify that field and those systems that work to provide that support. Um, obviously, we're in a space where that silver lining is still coming through. So, you know, you can't really just say, you know, it's a good thing. Obviously, it comes with its struggles. And before I, d- I delve into uh, talking a little bit more about stigma and, and getting to know you personally as to why you do what you do, I want to take a step back to understand the different the different ways that you all approach your community. Because if I'm not mistaken, CPEN? Yes. Yes. CPEN, uh, you all mentioned CPEN, you all mentioned T-Chat, and then you also mentioned the medical education classes. And so mm-hmm. I just want to be able to differentiate them um, because I believe they provide so much to the community. So if you could talk a little bit more about those things and know how to kind of make a difference between the two and how they address the need of communities. Yeah, so... Um, all of our programs are, I guess our big umbrella is the Texas Child Mental Health Care Cons- Healthcare Consortium or the TCMHCC. There's a lot of acronyms in our programs. Um, so <laughs> Trying I might to refer, remember them all. I'm like, Yeah, I might just refer to them as their acronyms. Um, of course, CPAN, which we've already mentioned, um, we help the primary care providers, um, you know, handle and care for their patients that may need that may have uh, mental health care um, needs. And then we have TCHAT, um, which is a school-based program and works directly with the school counselors. Okay. And um, we have the psychiatry um, workforce expansion. Um, so that's our fellowship program. Um, and so we work with fellows to, you know, get them – Hopefully to stay here in El Paso because it's that's a great city. Yes. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great place. Yeah, that's something that we really need here in El Paso is more child psychiatrists. Of course, psychiatrists, but even more child psychiatrists. Um, and another initiative we have is research. So we actually have two studies that we do there with Texas Tech um, that focuses on the mental health care needs of these patients. Now they're specifically, you know, trauma. Um, one of them is um, more based on trauma, and the other one is based on um, oh my goodness, depression. 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 There we go. <laughs> and depression. Suicide. Yes, yeah. depression and suicide, and then trauma. So we have two studies, um, and we're always looking for participants too. Um, you yes. had me at trauma, you know. <laughs> as we right. were talking about, right. as we were talking about before um, this episode started, for the audience to to know, we're just getting to know each other, right, and in our interests. So. I come from a background of um, being really interested in, in trauma-informed care, mm-hmm. adverse childhood experiences, and how that affects youth development. So that's why I was mm-hmm. like, oh, research opportunities. But yes. one another thing that I think is very important is the fact that you all touch on so many different sectors. Based on the fact that you, you described all these programs, you touch on, you know, the, the school community. You, you touch on prim- primary... Um, Primary caregivers. Yes. I was going to say caregivers. I'm like, that's not the word. <laughs> um, you touch on the on the professionals that are coming onto the field mm-hmm. and those students. And I think it's important because we all kind of habitat, cohabitat in, in an ecosystem of different ways of, of um, communicating and connecting with each other. 
and being able to not create silos and instead being able to right. work with each other is right. so important. And I think it I think it's very admirable that within El Paso community that is occurring. Yeah, and you know, um, one of our programs that she just mentioned, the the workforce expansion, it's called actually the whole acronym is CPWE, Community Psychiatry Workforce Expansion. And um, that program is based on, you know, coming, not having all of our trainees only working at Texas Tech. It's based on our trainees of all levels going out into the community. And so we have a we have relationships with Emergence Health Network, um, the El Paso Child Guidance Center, and Oliviane. And so what happens in those programs as a, is our medical students, our residents, and our child psychiatry fellows, they go out into the community and they uh, see the patients there. So they're getting, uh, first of all, the city is getting care at all different types of clinics. Uh, but also the psychiatrists and the medical students are getting training that is really in public psychiatry. So the whole goal of that is not only to, we have expanded, they have, the state of Texas put a lot of money into this so that we can have more trainees. So we're expanding, but then also we're really focusing on public psychiatry, uh, community mental health, and not private practice. And so we're hoping that with all these experiences <laughs> that they will start to um, more and more stay in the public sector, sector uh, where we can help the people who need us the most. Yes, I mean, we understand that those people who may come from, for example, a low-income background, they may struggle with access and may experience so many barriers. And that leads me to want to know more about what is your why you know, we've talked about all these amazing programs that, that you all cover, the help that you're providing to our community, and why you all are doing that in, in the sense that there's, there's, a, there's a need. Um, before we, had, we started recording this, you all told me that you all are out-of-towners, and you all decided to stay. So I'd like to learn and, and, and hear you out. What is your why in terms of the work that you do? And why here yeah. in El Paso? Oh, I love El Paso. Um, I lived here. I, I was transferred here um, when I was in the Army as an Army psychiatrist. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, this is my last duty station. Then I'm going to go home to California. And, oh, my gosh, two weeks afterward, I just loved it. I just love the weather. I love the people. It's just a nice, calming place to live. And, of course, my why in terms of why did I go into psychiatry started years ago. And um, I really, I knew that I wanted to go into the medical field because I wanted to hopefully help people have better lives. And, you know, your third year of medical school, you have, you do all these different rotations trying to decide, like, okay, how exactly do I want to uh, help and my, it was kind of like my, it was kind of the same experience as when I moved to El Paso. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this place. <laughs> um, I, my first day on the psychiatry rotation, I was like, wow, this is where I belong. And so I just felt comfortable. I was just fascinated with the work, with the brain, with the mind. Um, and I have never regretted it for one minute. So um all that, all those many years of training were <laughs> totally worth it because I really enjoy my work. I really love all these new programs. We're coming up with new programs all the time, uh, adding to 
you know, we have state initiatives, but we get to kind of add our own El Paso spin onto it and to try and, and provide as much care in the community as we can. Thank you, Dr. Murray. We're lucky to have you. Appreciate that you stayed. <laughs> Thanks. That's and another thing. That's another thing. People in El Paso really appreciate us. Uh, it's all <laughs> over. I'm, everywhere I go, people are like, oh, thank you so much. And my own patients, they're just so sweet to me. And they people do appreciate uh, help here in this town. Yeah, people are very nice here. That's also yeah. a, part of the reason why I also stayed. Like for me, um, I moved down from a big city from Denver, Colorado, and it it's just a different pace here. Everything's a lot more quiet, yeah. for sure, <laughs> less traffic. Um, but a big part of why I chose to do this was because it's a very new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like Dr. Martin said, this started back in 2019, you know, early 2020. And um, these programs are very new, so it's very, it's exciting to see what kind of challenges you'll run into. I like, um, I like working with new programs where you have to kind of like put your own El Paso spin on things, you know, to make things work. All of our programs, they're found throughout the entire state, but we cover a 16-county region. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is rural, so it's really nice to be able to, you know, see how these rural no, in West Texas, in the Wild West. Yeah, yeah, we just went to where? We just went to Monahans on Tuesday. Monahans yeah, and Fort Stockton uh, and Van Horn. Oh, okay. So we, so the part of our outreach is we go and visit both schools and primary care offices um, all over our region of Texas. And ah, we always have fun. <laughs> it's always a fun. lot of fun. It might be a Meeting little bit people. of driving. That that's that's <laughs> a lot of driving. <laughs> yes, you know, no, I was our driver this time. You yeah. do live in Texas, so everywhere you it, have to drive. Yep. <laughs> it is a big state. It's that is one ginormous thing. state. That yep. is one thing I've came to learn is what a big state. <laughs> yeah. It's well, amazing. We're also lucky to have you, Naomi. So oh, appreciate you. you staying and, and providing that help. And before we end, I'd like to touch on two last questions. You all mm-hmm. talked about, you know, that El Paso spin and, and that mental health uh, shift that has happened. Can you talk about it? What, what do you mean when you say we need to, you, you all have had to do that El Paso spin to your programmings and that shift in that mental health uh, stigma? Oh, goodness. Um well, I think I could probably start here yeah. and then Dr. Martin. Yeah. Can yes, on. go ahead. Um, but so what we do here is what 11 other schools do throughout Texas, but a lot of them are out east. So like Austin, Houston, Dallas, um, San Antonio, they all, they're all known. And, you know, some people sometimes forget that El Paso exists or that it's even a Texan city. Yes. So by kind of putting ourselves on the map, that's, that's kind of what we mean by text or El Paso spin. Um, so a lot of our, the, the way that we even present ourselves, we try to, you know, not seem like we're from, we're part of the, the same program as Austin per se. Not, nothing against Austin or anything, but you know, that's <laughs> yeah. our capital. Everyone yes. knows the capital. So we want to put El Paso, identify El Paso as its own thing. And this is what we're doing. And we really appreciate it. <laughs> what about you, Dr. Martin? What would be your take? Um, I think one of the things that we've tried to do, and hopefully we've been, I think we've been mostly successful, yeah. is when we, we try to connect with people one-on-one. 
Um, so we do have webinars, but then we also go into the community every week, at least once a week, uh, whether we drive all the way to Eagle Pass or we just drive to the east side or the northwest. Uh, we make sure that we are always going out into the community so that people know us and trust us. We're not some people that are you know, trying to force a program on them that, that we're actually just regular people and we have um, certain skills that we want to share. And if they know us and we're friendly, we're hoping that they will let us help them. Yes. And I think it's, I think it's really working. Uh, some people that I can just, with CPAN specifically, that's where I do most of my work, uh, I can see the primary care providers, you know, starting with something uh, more on the basic side and then... As they get more comfortable, comfortable, they're doing more and more complex things. Uh, they're not just sending everybody to a psychiatrist, which means you're going to be on a waiting list for a long time. No, they're willing to start right away. And uh, you know, when we call them up and say, "Oh, we're going to be in your town today," they're like, "Oh, that's great! You should stop by." <laughs> and so we've just gotten a warm welcome as we've gotten to know everyone. Uh, so really the one-on-one -on -one outreach is kind of what we're known for mm -hmm. uh, amongst our partners all over the state. Well, and I think that highlights the fact that you know your community because El Paso is a very tight-knit community. And if you present yourself as a person who was to genuinely help, but you do so by connecting with them, that one-to-one -one interaction, it is very appreciated because you want to be able to build that honest and authentic relationship with the people that you're helping. So I think you touched on a really good, um, a really important value in El Paso, which is that connectedness, transparency, respect and loyalty, right, to, to one another. And the fact that you also highlighted, Noemi, the, the fact that El Paso is sometimes forgotten. And as a community, we sometimes do feel that. And the fact that you as people who came out of El Paso and decided to stay highlights the fact that El Paso is great. And we really are appreciative of the help that everyone provides. Uh, and I think it's definitely something that goes a long way. And y'all are doing amazing work. Um, I, again, I say it again. <laughs> Thank you so much. And before we leave, um, are, is there anything that you all would like to talk to the audience about? Any announcements? Any upcoming events that you all would like for them to know? Yeah, so uh, we host continuing medical education series. Um, our last one is next month on the 11th. One of our own fellows will be presenting a topic. Um, so just watch out for all of that. Um, if you guys are interested, you guys are more than welcome to reach out to any of us. And also, we're always in people we're always looking <laughs> we're for always people. hiring we're <laughs> always hiring we um, want to expand keep expanding yes, but yeah. really what is limiting our expansion uh, and limiting how much care the people of El Paso can get the children and especially the children and adolescents of El Paso can get is how many therapists we have <laughs> and so we are always hiring therapists we also are always hi hiring administrative people like Noemi yes. we have a new we have an, one more CPAN position for a program coordinator that's going to be opening soon. So if people want to hear about either our um, educational offerings or our projects or who we're hiring, then just just get on the Google. <laughs> yes. 
Just type uh, yeah. it up. Texas Tech. Remember, it's Texas Tech El Paso, though. Yes. Texas Tech El Paso. And then we are the division of telepsychiatry as, in terms of our website and our jobs. So telepsychiatry jobs, Texas Tech El Paso, and you'll see all the, all the things we're hiring for, which is a lot. Okay. Thank so. you. Appreciate it. So for them, if they want to know about, like, for example, the... The classes, uh, should they email yeah. you? Would you be able to provide an email or whose information? Yeah. So you? they can email me. Um, I go ahead and coordinate that. Um, also, our social media is a really good resource. Okay. I post everything there on the social media. Um, telepsychiatry. Yeah, telepsychiatry. Yeah, it's uh, El Paso underscore telepsychiatry on Instagram. Okay. Okay. And then um, we also have a Facebook page. Okay, and well, um, for the audience, you all are also welcome to uh, put any comments in the postings that we have for the podcast if you're interested, and we're more than uh, more than happy to then connect you all to these wonderful uh, individuals. But for now, this is the end, and I want to again thank you all so much for your time. I had a great time uh, learning from you, um, hearing that you all love El Paso so much. Um, <laughs> we should have worn all pa- we love El Paso shirts for this <laughs> for this episodes and for the audience. Thank you all so much for listening to us. We look forward to the next episode. Until next time, bye. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you.